1: This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker,
0: you'll find what you came for here and more.
1: So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. There's a new class of blockbuster drugs.
0: Emanuel Swedenborg floated freely through the void of space. He wasn't in a vessel, nor did he wear a spacesuit, and yet he was able to move comfortably through the vacuum. The earth spun far below him. Emanuel couldn't see it, but he could sense it on a spiritual level. Struck by a sudden bout of inspiration, Emanuel
1: produced a pen and paper and began to write. He'd seen incredible things, wondrous things, and he didn't want to forget a single
0: detail. While Emmanuel scrawled, several beings, aliens from the planet Mercury, approached. Emmanuel couldn't see their physical bodies, for they existed only as disembodied spirits. They asked to see what he
1: was writing, but Emmanuel was too caught up in his literary frenzy to answer.
0: Like their namesake, the Mercurians were all about speed, and so they were impatient. When they couldn't get an immediate answer from Emmanuel, they began to berate and insult him. They claimed that he was a terrible person and deeply selfish, but even this didn't distract Emmanuel from his writing. Then he began to feel a pressure on both sides of his skull.
1: Moment by moment, the pain grew more intense. The pen and paper finally forgotten, Emanuel pressed his palms to the sides of his
0: head, writhing in agony. Emanuel survived the psychic attack and his trip through space, but when he woke up in his home in Stockholm, Sweden in 1758, he knew no one would ever believe his accounts of his interplanetary journeys with aliens from Mercury.
1: Are we alone? Have we been alone? Will we be alone? Stories of alien visitation have been ingrained in human history.
0: Alien life may not be confirmed, but our obsession with it can't be ignored. Welcome to Extraterrestrial, a ParCast Original. I'm Tim.
1: And I'm Bill. Every Tuesday, we visit the marvelous and strange stories about our
0: encounters with beings from another world. We're aware that some of these tales may seem completely unbelievable. Others may seem all too real. But these stories shed light on human nature, human beliefs, and human psychology. And each story has garnered thousands, if not millions, of true believers. And for that reason, we think they're worth exploring. You can find all episodes of Extraterrestrial and all other Parcast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Extraterrestrial for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Extraterrestrial in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love.
1: Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast
0: and Twitter at ParCast Network. And if you enjoy today's episode, the best way to help us is to leave a five-star review wherever you're listening. It really does help.
1: Today, we're discussing Emanuel Swedenborg, a theologian who sought to reconcile his Christian faith with the rationality of the Enlightenment movement during the 18th century. Just as he began to fear that there was no rational explanation for his religious beliefs, Angels from other planets abducted him
0: and revealed the true interstellar nature of God, faith, and the heavens. This week, we'll discuss Emanuel's reported 1758 out-of-body experience in which he traveled to every planet in the solar system and learned the secrets of the universe. Next week, we'll follow the story
1: as Emanuel tries to share his revelation with the world and is met with public debunkings and accusations of heresy. We'll also evaluate the veracity of Emanuel's story and explore some possible counter-explanations for what he saw.
0: The wild claims that Emanuel Swedenborg made later in life stemmed from tension in his childhood. He was born on January 29, 1688, the son of a preacher and theology professor. He was the third of nine children in his family. Emanuel was raised in the national religion of Sweden, Lutheranism.
1: However, he perceived tension between the traditional teachings and the
0: more modern values of his era. Emanuel grew up during the Enlightenment, a time when intellectuals rejected old religious traditions and superstitions in favor of reason and logic. Within Emmanuel's lifetime, great
1: scientists like Voltaire laid down the framework for what would eventually become the scientific method. French philosopher Denis Diderot published his Encyclopedie,
0: an ambitious attempt to gather all human knowledge into a single book. While legendary thinkers unlocked new scientific horizons, many intellectuals optimistically believed that any concept could be learned and understood through logic and reason. Nothing was beyond humanity's grasp. By early 1714, 26-year-old Emmanuel resolved to
1: reconcile his Lutheran faith with the scientific tenets of the Enlightenment. And he did so by devoting his life to intellectual pursuits. He sought to become an expert on every science known to man. His hope was that he could provide evidence for Christianity by using facts and rational deductions.
0: His curiosity knew no bounds. Emmanuel explored the traditional sciences as well as more mysterious subjects like spiritual meditation. Through this, he learned to expertly send himself into an almost hypnotic state at will. He also became an accomplished astronomer.
1: Emmanuel hypothesized that other planets must logically host life just as Earth did. And if God was truly the ruler of the universe, who'd created humanity on Earth, he must have also populated every other planet with
0: intelligent creatures. Additionally, if God had revealed himself on Earth through the Bible, alien species must certainly also know of God's existence and character. In Emanuel's mind, it seemed only logical that the solar
1: system was teeming with devout Christians all living holy lives on their separate planets. However, with no evidence to go by other than his own reasoning,
0: Emanuel couldn't prove his theories, but he wasn't ready to just let them go. Emanuel obsessed over the idea of God and his possible relationship to life on other planets. So much so that his religious beliefs began to infect his sleeping mind. He kept a dream journal to track
1: his vibrant nightmares and hallucinations. One entry, dated April 5, 1744, described a vision in which then 56-year-old Emmanuel ascended above the earth. He found himself in a joyous place, too wonderful to describe, a place he called heaven.
0: Emmanuel later noted that he was uncertain whether he dreamed the experience or if he was awake and had experienced a real vision. He grappled with how best to categorize what he'd witnessed. He felt that
1: as a Christian, he should have complete trust in God, that the visions he received were virtuous and true, but he couldn't shake the feeling that the creatures he'd seen weren't angels or Christian beings at all. They were something else, Something neither holy nor human.
0: Something like a visitor from another planet. Alien abductees often write off their initial extraterrestrial encounters as dreams or hallucinations. For example, horror author and alien abductee Whitley Strieber repeatedly imagined that extraterrestrial creatures were drawing his soul from his body with magnets. It was only after this happened several times that Strieber concluded he wasn't dreaming. He was experiencing nightly alien abductions. Given Emmanuel's later
1: interplanetary experiences, he may have similarly misidentified alien contact as a vision or divine missive. And his own out-of-body descriptions are consistent with Strieber's descriptions of feeling his soul drawn from his physical body. On the other hand, Emmanuel's and Strieber's visions could easily be explained as ordinary dreams or hallucinations.
0: On the night of April 9, 1744, about a week after Emmanuel's first vision, he dreamed that his spirit was able to rise up out of his body. He sensed another being in the room, though it was invisible and intangible. He could still perceive it in his soul. Emmanuel identified the visitor as an angel, but the creature's intangible
1: presence bears a lot in common with later reports of telepathic aliens. Reports of mind-reading extraterrestrials are commonplace in the modern day. The International Center for Abduction Research argues that telepathy
0: is likely the primary mechanism for extraterrestrial communication. Emanuel Swedenborg had yet another similar dream on the night of July 22nd, 1744. He imagined that he was flying through the air, landing in a beautiful home marked by wealth and opulence. This tendency to lucid dream may have made him a prime candidate for communication with aliens. Professor Richard McNally of Harvard University identified five
1: traits that are extraordinarily common among modern day alien abductees. These include a history of vivid dreams or hallucinations, as
0: well as an openness to mystical or spiritualist ideas. Immanuel Swedenborg, with his obsession with proving the existence of God and his certainty that his dreams held a deeper meaning, fit these criteria to a T. Some ufologists have suggested that aliens intentionally seek
1: out open-minded abductees like Emmanuel as they'll be more willing or able to accept the truth of what they've experienced. Skeptics, on the other hand, suppose that these sorts of people are more likely to mistake a lucid dream or
0: hallucination for an abduction experience. Whatever their cause, Emmanuel's dreams became more frequent and more intense until his visions finally bled into the real world. One night in April, 1744,
1: 57-year-old Emanuel Swedenborg was dining at an inn when he noticed a figure on the other side of the restaurant. Although he couldn't define any specific reason why the man stood out, he found his gaze consistently drawn back to the stranger. Something about him just felt like he didn't belong to
0: this world. Emmanuel continued with his dinner until the stranger suddenly appeared at his side. He seemed upset and told Emmanuel that he was eating too much. Emmanuel ignored the warning and continued to savor his meal.
1: But with each bite, he became increasingly aware that something was wrong with the inn's dining room. Snakes and frogs seemed to creep inside, slowly covering the floor and filling the space. Emmanuel was
0: overcome with a sense of horror. He fled, the remainder of his dinner uneaten. But when Emmanuel went outside, the stranger was already there, waiting for him. It was like he'd instantly teleported from inside the inn. Emmanuel demanded that the stranger explain himself.
1: The visitor replied that he was Jesus Christ, and he'd returned to the earth in spiritual form to declare that Emmanuel was his
0: newest emissary to the human race. Jesus explained that Emmanuel had to educate humanity about the true interpretation of the Bible. He promised that he would take Emmanuel on an interplanetary journey through the solar system. But first, Emmanuel would have to continue to open his mind. Jesus then left Emmanuel to consider the message. After that, Emmanuel knew he couldn't return to his ordinary life. He was stricken
1: by what he'd experienced, certain it hadn't been a dream or a vision.
0: What he'd seen was real. Emmanuel's accounts bear striking similarity to other later alien sighting stories in which the abductee learns that they are special and more important than other people on Earth. In fact, these sorts of power fantasies are common in
1: extraterrestrial narratives. Psychologists Richard McNally and Susan Clancy study this phenomenon and concluded that many such individuals most likely create false memories in order to compensate for feelings of powerlessness. They imagine themselves to be special, chosen, and important
0: on a cosmic scale. Considering that this particular encounter is centuries old, we have no way of judging Emmanuel's sincerity. Was he simply trying to set himself up as a divine being? Or did he really experience these visions? And if he did, did he consider that they may have had a
1: non-extraterrestrial explanation? Ultimately, it seems that he was convinced that God was trying to put him into contact with
0: beings from another world. His experiences would only get stranger and more dangerous. Next, Emmanuel meets the enlightened
1: Martians, the deformed Jupiterians, and more. This
0: episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit AnytimeFitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. After years of
1: obsessing over his theories about life on other planets, 57 year old Emanuel Swedenborg learned he'd been chosen by God. His mission? To
0: educate the people of Earth about the divine truths of life on other planets. In the years after his initial encounter in 1744, Emanuel received a series of revelations during his regular meditation sessions. During
1: his early studies, Emanuel had mastered the art of meditation until he was able to enter a dreamlike trance state on command. Now, he believed that bringing his mind to a point halfway between sleep and wakefulness would make him more receptive to messages from beyond. So he set aside
0: time for meditation and otherworldly revelation. Over the course of the next few years, Emmanuel received messages from God and his angels and even caught glimpses of worlds beyond the earth—heaven, hell, and other planets populated with aliens. But it wasn't until 1758 that
1: he was finally able to leave the Earth on an extended journey and speak to
0: aliens from outer space. One night, while meditating, Emmanuel felt his soul rise out of his body, leaving his physical shell behind. As he ascended, he sensed other beings in the room with him, creatures who were invisible to the naked eye, but all too apparent to his spiritual self. Emmanuel soon realized that these creatures were
1: angels, which he believed were the spirits of dead people who still lingered on Earth. They told him that he was going to leave this world and join them in outer
0: space. He felt a change overcome his soul. He suddenly and intuitively understood deep truths about the nature of the universe. He knew that there were actually two worlds. The first was the physical plane, where he'd lived his entire life. However, the
1: physical world intersected with the spiritual plane, which was populated not just with the people of Earth, but all manner of ghosts from all the planets
0: known to man and beyond. The spiritual plane wasn't bound by the rules of physics or gravity. A person, just by changing their mindset, could connect with any other spirit and traverse great distances in a matter of moments. He understood that God had altered his mind and heart so that he could leave the confines of the planet Earth. Emmanuel came to that realization just as he arrived in outer space.
1: We should note that Emmanuel claims to have journeyed away from Earth many times over the course of the year. But we don't know how many trips he took or what happened on which trek. Instead, we'll be relaying his story the
0: same way he did, as though it all took place in a single trip. Emmanuel felt no fear the first time he ascended into heaven. He didn't know what he'd discovered there, but based on his years of theorizing, he assumed that he'd either encounter alien beings or God himself. Emmanuel found both. As soon as his spirit drew to a comfortable stop, he began to test the bounds of the spiritual plane. Because he was traveling as a soul without his body, he didn't need to breathe and felt no discomfort in the void of space. He could freely float anywhere in the solar system. Emmanuel couldn't see any planets or moons,
1: but he could feel them. He couldn't even see the sun or even guess which direction it lay in. However, no matter which direction Emmanuel turned,
0: brilliant light filled his vision. Just as he began to ponder over the mystery, several otherworldly beings floated past him. Like Emmanuel, they were souls with no bodies, able to thrive in the vacuum of space. Emmanuel wasn't sure how he knew, but he immediately
1: understood these beings were from Mercury. He presumed that this sudden knowledge
0: was the result of God's divine revelation. Today, it's difficult to accept Emmanuel's claim that he spoke to spirits from the planet Mercury. The planet has no breathable atmosphere, and the temperatures range wildly, from nighttime lows nearing negative 300 degrees Fahrenheit to daytime temperatures reaching up to 800 degrees Fahrenheit. Emmanuel
1: noted that the aliens from Mercury were very human in appearance. And as he conversed with his new extraterrestrial friends, Emmanuel found that Mercurians shared other similarities with the people of Earth. They raised crops and livestock
0: and placed a great deal of value on religious devotion. Luckily for Emmanuel, Mercurians were also deeply curious and passionate about learning and knowledge. They offered to guide Emmanuel through the solar system if, in exchange, he'd share what he knew of life on Earth. Under the Mercurian's
1: tutelage, Emmanuel was delighted to learn that many of the things he'd theorized about outer space were completely accurate. Each planet was populated with creatures who were made in God's own image. That is to say, human beings.
0: All humans, when they died, left their bodies behind to journey through the cosmos. Spirits could freely travel from planet to planet and even explore the realms of heaven and hell. However, they could no
1: longer see or hear things on the physical plane. This meant that their communication was limited to other spirits or to mediums, still living people
0: with the rare gift of perceiving the world beyond. Emmanuel was fascinated by what the Mercurians told him. He longed to write it all down, and they obliged by bringing him paper and a pen. They explained that their own planet had no written language, but they'd read Emmanuel's mind and brought him the tools before he'd even thought to ask. With the new implements, he immediately set to work. The aliens, eager to learn what he was
1: doing, tried to physically pry the information from Emanuel's brain. He felt a pressure at the sides of his head. After a short while, the psychic attack abruptly stopped. The Mercurians realized that they were causing
0: him pain. They seemed to be remorseful. Emmanuel didn't hold a grudge. He sensed that nothing could truly harm him in his spiritual state and because the aliens seemed genuinely remorseful, he let the issue go. Instead, he offered to repay the Mercurians' kindness by teaching them about life on Earth. In addition to his ability to communicate telepathically,
1: Emmanuel found he could also project images of his memories for all the spirits to see. He shared mental pictures of Earth's beautiful streams
0: and peaceful meadows. However, The Mercurians altered Emmanuel's projected memories. They added venomous snakes to his streams and made the water appear brown and dirty. When Emmanuel asked why they'd do such a thing, the Mercurians responded that they were more interested in spiritual truth than in superficial appearance. Emmanuel's recollections of peaceful nature
1: disguised the realities of pollution, corruption, and decay. By including scenes of death and destruction, the spirits were only making Emmanuel's
0: memories more accurate. He was initially frustrated by the alien's changes, but he tried to keep an open mind. Emmanuel reminded himself that honesty and accuracy were virtues, and that he had much to learn from his new Mercurian friends. While Emmanuel grappled with the Mercurian's moral lessons,
1: a pair of Earth spirits approached. His guides encouraged him to chat with the earth spirits who'd achieved renown and respect throughout the heavens.
0: While Emmanuel spoke with the wise men, he came to realize that one revered being was none other than Aristotle. The ancient philosopher confessed that after death, he'd come to realize that there was only one God. Now, he recognized the divinity of Jesus Christ and revised his own philosophies in accordance. Based on this conversation, Emmanuel came to realize that
1: dead spirits have the ability to continue to learn and change after death. His whole life, he'd been taught traditional Lutheran theology that a
0: person's faith while living determined their afterlife. But Aristotle and the Mercurians explained to Emmanuel that life after death was just a continuation of what every person experienced on their home planet. When a person died, he or she ascended into space where they could stay the same or transform into a better or worse person. Some
1: spirits ultimately landed in a planet's heaven or hell, but many spent thousands
0: of years growing and learning before reaching their final destination. This information ran counter to everything Emmanuel had learned about Lutheran theology, but he couldn't deny the truth of what he saw with his own eyes. And he didn't have much time to process the revelation as his alien guides needed to rush him along. He had an entire solar system to explore and a short amount of time to do it in. They took him to Jupiter where Emmanuel spoke
1: with the spirits who'd once lived there. From them, he learned that all humans from every planet had the power of telepathy or the ability to communicate mind to mind. Telepathy was considered a holier form of communication than speech because it was very difficult to lie to someone who could read your mind.
0: Even Earth's humans once had the ability to read minds, but they'd subsequently lost the power. Emmanuel had long wondered why the Bible was filled with so many stories of divine miracles and angelic manifestations, while these sorts of things never happened in his own lifetime. He learned that this was because, when the Earth was young... Alien spirits regularly appeared to ancient humans to telepathically share celestial secrets with them. But then, one of Earth's greatest failings had been the invention of the
1: spoken word. People had created this imprecise method of communication
0: solely so they could deceive one another. Once humanity gained the power of speech, and with it, the ability to lie, alien spirits withdrew from the Earth, Instead, they treated the planet with suspicion and disdain. The people of Emmanuel's time never saw angels or miracles because they'd lost their connection to the enlightened extraterrestrials. In contrast, the people of Jupiter were wise, devout, and good because
1: they still relied solely on telepathic communication. Unlike on Earth,
0: all of Jupiterian society was devoted to the worship of God. They even walked with their faces craned upward toward the skies at all times to symbolize that their minds were set on heavenly things. In order to avoid tripping, Jupiterians walked hunched forward, feeling the ground ahead of themselves with their hands. Emmanuel actually double-checked this latest
1: claim, verifying the Jupiterians' strange mode of travel with other
0: nearby angels subsequent revelations suggested that the jupiterians only ever sleep with their faces turned toward the center of the room and that their chairs are made exclusively of fig trees emmanuel's accounts of life on jupiter are some of his most detailed and some of the strangest the aliens also showed emmanuel glimpses of jupiter He couldn't see the surface
1: directly, as the world was on the physical plane, but he could see images in the minds of the spirits, memories of their own lives, and telepathic messages
0: they continued to receive from their living comrades. Emmanuel learned that Jupiter was marked by lush, green fields that grew every kind of crop imaginable. The inhabitants lived a communal existence, where small families and tribes raised just enough food to support themselves, but avoided excess and overconsumption. Although the planetary population was massive, there was no pollution, no famine or starvation, and no ecological collapse. This description may sound strange and implausible
1: to modern listeners. Today we know that Jupiter is a gas giant with no surface. Its thick atmosphere hosts massive and deadly storms that have raged for thousands of years without slowing down. It is incapable
0: of supporting human life or any kind of agriculture. Of course, this casts further doubt on Emmanuel's story. But if he had any doubts, he didn't share them. He seemed fully convinced of what he had seen. Up next, Emmanuel's journey becomes even
1: stranger as he travels beyond the solar system. Now,
0: back to the story. In 1758, 70-year-old theologian and philosopher Emanuel Swedenborg had an out-of-body experience in which he ascended into the heavens and met the spirits of dead humans from every planet in the solar system. His Mercurian guides led him to Mercury, Jupiter, and beyond. At each stop, Emanuel spoke with the humans who lived there. However, modern astronomical knowledge makes Emanuel's testimony difficult to believe. First, his model of the solar system is missing ladder discoveries such as Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto. In addition, Emmanuel described all aliens as being
1: human-like and each planet as similar to Earth with fields, water, and familiar plants and animals. Today, we know Earth is the
0: only planet in our solar system capable of supporting such an ecosystem. But Emmanuel, with his 18th century understanding of astronomy, took his visions at face value. And when he visited Jupiter, he learned secret knowledge about Earth's history and humanity's capacity for telepathy. Like the Mercurians, the Jupiterians eagerly asked
1: Emmanuel to tell them about life on Earth. But when he tried to describe things like war and murder, the aliens were initially baffled and then saddened. They had no such concepts in their own society, and they couldn't imagine that intelligent creatures would ever willingly kill their own
0: kind. In fact, the aliens from Jupiter were so disturbed by Emmanuel's speech, they turned their backs on him and refused to hear more. This was probably for the best, as he had to keep moving along, this time traveling to Mars. When he later wrote of his travels, Emmanuel
1: noted that on the spiritual plane, planets are laid out differently than in scientific, astrological models. So while it may seem illogical to travel from Mercury to Jupiter to Mars, Emmanuel felt as though he was cutting a straight path, moving not through time or space, but
0: by the power of his soul. And when he spoke with the Martians, he was stricken by their peaceful and loving culture. Of all the aliens he encountered, Emmanuel found their society to be the most idyllic. And in learning about Martian ways, he also became deeply aware of Earth's own failings. Emmanuel found that Martians had incredible psychic powers.
1: Not only could they communicate telepathically, they could directly control biological processes killing their desires for things like food or sex. The people of Mars had incredible self-awareness and self-control.
0: They also remained in nearly constant communication with the spirits of the dead. Martians were humble and open to new teachings. They always sought a deeper understanding of how to live well and how to avoid their own vices. After his brief
1: visit to Mars, Emmanuel met people from Saturn. They told Emmanuel how their entire society was built around their Christian beliefs, so much so that they
0: scorned non-believers and cast them out of their communities. While this practice seemed harsh, Emmanuel soon learned that the Saturn aliens had a good reason for their strict piety. More than any other planet, humans from Saturn were deeply in touch with their spiritual abilities. Ordinary people frequently traveled between the physical and the spirit world, bringing divine revelation with them. Anyone who denied such clear evidence of the existence of
1: God and immortal souls was clearly a liar or deceiver, too
0: dangerous to remain a part of society. In their insistence on ideological purity, Saturnalians shared a common failing with the people of Earth. As reporter and author David Ropeek explained, When people fall into tribalism, us versus them ways of thinking, they risk political bias, heightened suspicion and aggression, and even a higher propensity for violence against those who are others. Even Emmanuel had his concerns about Saturn's strict social
1: hierarchy, but the spirits reassured him that their advanced psychic abilities helped them maintain fairness within their intolerant communities.
0: From Saturn, Emmanuel next traveled to Venus. He learned that this planet had two sharply divided societies, those who lived on the sunny side and those in darkness. Venusians who lived their lives in the
1: light were kind, generous, and devout. But those who were born and raised
0: away from the sun were cruel, selfish, and stupid, almost feral. Emanuel's final stop on his tour of the solar system took him very close to home, the Earth's moon. His trip was very brief, but Emanuel spoke with the moon people long enough to note that they were all very short, very sturdy, and had frighteningly deep, booming voices. Once again, Emanuel's claims of life on the moon directly contradict
1: modern scientific understanding. Thanks to extensive satellite photography and the Apollo missions, scientists today can say with a great deal of certainty that
0: there is no intelligent life on the Moon. However, Emmanuel once again accepted that the Moon spirits had a grand and ancient society in orbit around the Earth. But his journey wasn't over yet. As he left the Moon, he could feel himself being drawn far away, further than any telescope on Earth had ever spied, further than even the spirits he'd met so far had ever been. Emmanuel Swedenborg was about to
1: become the first spirit to ever travel outside his own solar
0: system. As he'd noted earlier, Emmanuel didn't physically travel to leave the solar system. The spiritual plane wasn't bound by the laws of nature. Instead, spirits were drawn near to those who were similar in thoughts or values and repelled by those who were different. So to travel through outer space, Emmanuel had only to change his own mindset. However, even the
1: spiritual journey took a full two hours. At its end, Emmanuel was astonished to find himself on an exoplanet in the far-flung reaches of
0: space. Emmanuel ultimately visited five distant worlds. He wasn't able to name them in his writings, claiming they were too far away for Earth's astronomers to discover. Even on these unnamed planets, however, Emmanuel discovered that the people there were much like those within his home solar system. These aliens, too, were humans who practiced Christianity. On one
1: planet, Emmanuel got into a debate about the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. On another, he was scandalized to learn that the aliens had built and worshiped a
0: stone idol instead of humbling themselves before the Christian God. In each instance, Emmanuel eventually came to realize that although their practices were at odds with his own beliefs and traditions, they were the right choice for these particular individuals. They had alien cultures that Emmanuel couldn't fully understand as an outsider. And so, he let go of his need to debate them, instead accepting their diverse cultures before moving on. This was at odds with the practices on Saturn, where non-believers were
1: shunned. But Emmanuel was coming to realize that each individual society
0: had its own culture and values. Emmanuel's own need to educate, correct, and lecture was preventing him from truly connecting with those who were different from him, whether they were aliens from another star or his own neighbors back home in Stockholm. It was a lesson that he resolved to take back to Earth. Emmanuel's return was just like his initial trip to the heavens, but in reverse. He had no perception of traveling across great distances. Instead, he could feel his own attitudes and mindsets changing, shifting back to those of an ordinary Earthling. As his thoughts became more aligned with those of his home planet, he found himself
1: surrounded by more Earth spirits. It wasn't long before he arrived home.
0: Luckily, Emmanuel was an expert at meditation, and he knew just how to recreate the out-of-body experience that had initially sent him on his journey. In the weeks and months after his first trip to outer space, Emmanuel journeyed many more times, fleshing out his earlier discoveries. As we discussed earlier, we don't know for sure how often Emmanuel traveled
1: to other planets. The story we explored this episode is the sum of his many out-of-body experiences and interplanetary travels throughout the course of
0: 1758. He took copious notes on his journeys and eventually compiled his first-hand experiences into a series of books, most notably Heaven and Hell and Other Planets. These wouldn't be Emmanuel's first published works. He'd already written at length about his scientific studies and his earlier theological revelations. However, these latest publications
1: presented a certain danger. Sweden recognized Lutheranism as a state religion and outlawed any texts seen as heretical. Emanuel's new revelations about the possibility of conversion after death and the varying versions of Christianity practiced on other planets risked drawing the ire
0: of the church. But Emmanuel had a mission from God and wouldn't allow earthly courts to deter him. As 1758 drew to a close, Emmanuel knew that he had one divine quest to complete. He had to tell the people of Earth the truth about life on other planets.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Extraterrestrial. Next week, we'll return with another new episode in which we'll talk about the fallout of Emanuel Swedenborg's publications. We'll also weigh some alternative explanations for Emmanuel's visions and evaluate the
0: plausibility of his story. You can find more episodes of Extraterrestrial and all other Parcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your
1: favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite Parcast
0: originals like Extraterrestrial for free from your phone. Desktop or smart speaker. To stream extraterrestrial on Spotify, just open the app, tap browse, and type extraterrestrial in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll see you next time. Extraterrestrial was created by Max Cutler. It's a production of Cutler Media and part of the Parcast Network. It's produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Liebeskin, and Maggie Admire. This episode of Extraterrestrial was written by Angela Jorgensen and stars Bill Thomas and Tim Johnson.